Hey, Tommy from the Run Testers, and welcome back to the Run Testers podcast. In this episode, we are talking about super trail shoes. So, those are the shoes that have a lot of the features that you might find in super road shoes like carbon plates and special foams, but applied to the trails. So, we're going to be talking about what they are, what they do, and if we think you actually need them. We'll also be talking about all the training that we've been doing recently, the races, and some of the kit that we've been testing over the past few weeks. So let's dive in and do the podcast. Okay, guys, how's it going? Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, good, good. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah good. You? Just good. Well, I've got brilliant from Kieran there, just good from you. I'm tired, man. Yeah, I'm tired. The, the kids, the kids yeah. are tiring. <laughs> well, let's let's we'll save the uh, that for the uh, the parenting podcast. Let's yeah, exactly. Yeah. Into... Although I do want to hear about your dog, Tom, which is scared of you. So I'd like I'd like everyone to know uh, that your dog is scared of you. Not, all right, well, that's not really impacted my running yet. But um, <laughs> has he done yeah, park run with? You? I can't even get to leave the house, mate. <laughs> not going to get to do park run yet. Um, I quite love the fact that I spent most of last summer running away from dogs that you've just taken into your home <laughs> and i bring them over yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well sound like uh, a particularly vicious one no it's a bit of a weed it's just a bit of a wimp um you're scared of everything uh all right let's talk about running then so um nick what's going on with your training and racing at the moment oh i mean everything's going really nicely now after you know some injury niggles start of the year i mean i'm fully fit i have trained pretty consistently for the last few weeks got into decent shape ran well at brighton 10k solid 33 18 uh which wasn't you know was pretty good in windy conditions might have sneaked the england masters vest off the back of that i don't really know how that whole thing works but if my age now i'm an old man uh i might be in the age group for it but um yeah it was good fun that we both ran that me and you tom very uh interesting 10k with you know bits about well about half very much into the wind about what 30 miles an hour and then half with it which meant closing k i was absolutely flying because it was with the wind but it was pretty hard yeah. to judge at times yeah it's uh we spoke well we did the video about it but um it's a nice it's a nice course that and, and a lot of people come down for it because on a good day it's probably one of the fastest races you can do but on a bad day, uh, which is most of the time when, you, when you're racing on the, on, on the south coast, it can be an absolute nightmare with the wind. But I, I spoke to a couple of people who got PBs afterwards. Which it was a brilliant really field because it was inter-counties and, and this England qualification race for you know, old people. So that helped. But um, the inter-counties mainly, like everyone ahead of me pretty much was in a, in a county vest. Just yeah, it's not me. often I come to a race where I was looking for you later on because they weren't there's only one real switchback where you yeah. could see the faster runners and uh i was it took quite a while for you to uh appear yeah i was 30th like that's i mean that's any kind of moderately serious race that's just about where i'll be like uh, i'm not yeah. not that good at running <laughs> but um, yeah it's uh it was it was a good field so it meant i had people to run with into the wind and stuff like that so yeah so and also, what? How does the Masters work? What do you get if you get into the Masters? Oh, it's got, so my friend is really into this because he's one of the best uh, V forty fives in in the country. He, he loves it. So basically, if you there's like five races to turn up at, if you're top three in your age group of people who are registered and haven't already qualified, uh, you get you you have the chance to compete for England in that race distance in um some masters race next year. I think it's Birmingham or something like that. But like I was I was fifth V thirty five. It's not like I was top actual three, but. Probably a couple of people ahead may not have bothered to register or have already qualified, so there's a chance. But you know, it's um, it's not 
uh, it's not it's it, you know i don't want to overdo it it's not, not exactly very prestigious but uh it's a nice little thing to start aiming for as you get a bit older i think a bit of fun nice and anything else coming up uh, well, we've got a couple of fun little run-throughs next month, probably. Um, I'm going to tr- try and go to Dorney Lake and pace a mate to a championship half marathon time, but mm-hmm. mostly just trying to get little, lots of little races in, keep the speed up, and think start. You know, London next year is the big target for me when um, hopefully I'll be sleeping a bit better. Mm. I'm still waiting for my Good for Age um, notification to come through. Are you still waiting for yours, Kieran? Yeah, yeah, actually, I don't think they've, yeah, they haven't fully ticked it off, have they yet? They're still. Uh, no, I've seen, I've seen a couple of people post about it on social, but I think it must be. Dribbling out the uh, responses. Oh, I don't think they've opened championship yet. I think they're quite loose. January, it all starts to kick off a bit more. Well, let's like move that. on to you then, Kieran. How's your <laughs> running going? Yeah, I mean, I'm just pootling about at the moment, really. I've sort of I hit a couple of weeks back. I kind of hit a point where I felt like body needed a bit of a rest. So I've taken the foot off the gas a little bit from doing long, long, long runs and just been enjoying getting easy miles in, you know, just go out and run for as long as I feel, come back. But I've booked in a few races for next year. I'm going to do the Manchester Marathon. Mm-hmm. I've got um, going to go back to the Lam- London Landmarks half. If London let me in, if I get that mm-hmm. all clear, we'll do London as well. And then I'm just having a huge debate at the moment. They just opened the Comrades places again, the registration. And obviously with Comrades, you basically only half finished the race if you've just done one direction. You're supposed to go back and do the up run if you've done the down, the down if you've done the up, and you get a special medal going back to back. And that's like, I oh, I don't know, there's a big part of me who wants to go back and do it again, but I don't know, just wondering mm. whether I can square it with the family or the cost. Didn't you take, didn't you take the family last time? I did, yeah. <coughs> yeah, but that's what I mean. I don't think I could take them again. <laughs> no. <laughs> nice. No, I did, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, it's it's also school time for, the, for my son, so mm-hmm. last time we had him out a couple of days early from school. Right. But I really want to go back and... It feels like a box untipped, you know. Literally, when I crossed the finish line at the Comrades, someone. Oh, because you did. You then, did the easy, easy one. Well, yeah, yeah. If you, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they sort of say they're they're both about the same, but yeah. they basically all the South Africans will say, well, "Well done, you finished." You know, you finished half the Comrades. Right. So quite keen on tourism. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've done a quarter of it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if London Marathon really wanted to ramp up the uh, registrations, <laughs> just make it, just yeah. do it a different m- r- way every year. Finishing, yeah. finishing yeah. quite a, quite a lonely park in Greenwich, a bit different to the mouth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, when does how does the um, it's good for age like Boston where they only select they they select. The fastest ones first. They even out. It's three thousand of each uh, gender, and it's fastest yeah. first. And I think they take into account age group a bit as well. So I think as the thing of Boston, I don't know if they do that, but it's quite it's quite complicated. But mm-hmm. uh, you are both quite a long way under the time, I think, aren't you? I yeah. I, I, I am, yeah. So it probably won't yeah, be a problem. But well, yeah. Championship yeah. is a hard cut off. If you're under the time, you you're in definitely. But mm-hmm. good for age, they take. They have to have even. They try and make it even, basically, between uh, genders and age groups. I think. I believe. It's. It's. Okay. I really don't like good for age start because it's um because it's utter chaos as a result because there are people that have qualified with like four hour marathons. Fair enough. They're you know they're older people. It's a really good mm-hmm. time, but um it doesn't mean that the first mile is carnage because there's people coming from the red start who are trying to run like you know two forties or something from the normal start who haven't had a good for age time before. There are good for age people who are aiming for like. 2.30 and then there's some that are aiming for 4.30 and it's just really cluttered so because normally normally I'd have to bother with that obviously I'm ahead of all of it, it doesn't matter but uh, like when, when I ran with Jill one year I was pacing her a sub 3 it's absolutely savage uh, like the elbowing that goes on especially in the first few bits of London where it's very fast but downhills I, I found it quite um, yeah quite uh, quite intimidating almost 
Nice. What's, well, I'm only jogging it, so... That's worse, though. That's worse at the good for age, because actually you could be... If you've run really well sort of six months, seven months before, and then you turn up off the pace, you're that person who's kind of in the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and well, it being in the way is not a problem. It's, it's just more the aggressive people coming through who decided... Yeah. You know, even though I've only ever run this today, today I'm running 240, and I'm going to go yeah. and catch up with the uh, elites for a bit, and you know that kind mm. of thing. And it's um, so it is, it is a bit, um, it is quite, uh, quite crazy at the start. What, there. What's the difference in this where you start? So you've got the elites obviously at the front, then you've got the championship, then you've got the good. You filter straight how- in. I think there's two good for age. Some start from one start, and some start from the same start as the champ. But like, so elites, you see from the championship, you've got the pen, you see the elites. You filter in, there's a couple of thousand championship runners and you can see the good for age queuing behind you. And then I mm-hmm. think behind them, some good for age behind you. And then there are some good for age. And then there's, I think it's the fastest uh, non good for age start as well is there. So it all goes mm-hmm. pretty fast, but I, I could be wrong. I think things didn't move around. I, when I when I started from the uh, like the mass start, pen one, I think I was there behind good for age and elite and champs, but I might be wrong. It's, it was a while ago and I, mm. it's hard to remember where all the runners are. <laughs> But um, oh. it, it is, it's yeah, good for ages is, is carnage. And if you've done Manchester the week before, Kieran, you're, you're going to be, there will be people flying into you from all sides. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I assume you're going to be doing a marathon every day between the two. I might just take, I might run it down. Yeah, I might run from Manchester to London. Yeah, Might as well. All the good stuff, might get well. on the canals. Yeah. yeah. No, I yeah, don't know. Yeah. I, I think I found that thing where actually sometimes if you do one the week before, a week later, rather than being overtired, you can actually get a bit of a bounce. But it depends how fast, how serious you go on the first. No running a quicker marathon the week after running an all-out marathon. I've got, I've got Boston the week before, and I'm going to be going all out can, on it. You can run an acceptable marathon the week after, but you're not. Yeah, you're not going to be in PB shape if you've absolutely flogged yourself and gone all out the week before. Mm. I'll take the bet. I'll take the bet. Well, yeah, I mean, you might run quicker, but I'm saying if you were in peak shape for marathon for Manchester and went yeah, for it, well, yeah, you wouldn't, be, you wouldn't be in peak shape a week later. See what your aim is for the first marathon. What are you going to go for? Sub three in it. I, I honestly, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I'd like to go back to that if I can this year. I need to get sort of, I haven't trained with a sort of focus for a marathon for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, be nice to get back to that and try and do that in Manchester. Yeah. But cool. We'll see. We'll see. I'll make, if, if, I, if I'm in PB shape, Nick, I'll take the bet to try and do a PB in Manchester and follow it with London. Yeah. All right. I'll take that bet. Definitely. Yeah. Right. When I did Berlin, <laughs> when I PB'd in Berlin around London a week later, you know, I was fine to go and so, cruise a sub three. And I could have, I reckon I could have run like a 240. But I was in no shape to go again, like all out. I could mm. feel my bones bruising, things like that. And I'd, yeah. you know, I'd left it all out there. If you leave it all out there, you can't come a week later. I don't believe it. Well, the, cha- the challenge is, is set. Yeah, PB so, two uh, weeks in a row. Yeah. yeah, that's good. That's a good, that's a good challenge. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, I, what have I been doing? Uh, oh, well, we, I did the race review at the weekend. I did Battersea Half Marathon on Saturday. I am not very fit at the moment in comparison to where I was in Berlin. So I've got quite a bit of work to do. Just did track and blimey, um, that was a struggle. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I need to to get back on it now because I'm going to start Boston training in January. Nice. You're going to go hard. Uh, what training wise for Boston? Yeah. yeah. Is that your big target next year? Or I think I'm going to do it a bit differently. I'm going to try and get a PB, but for it's really hard in Brighton to train in the winter. Yeah. Because wind. The, the parks you can't. Cause I do all my training in the parks. I do intervals in the parks. Just do laps of the and and um i can't you can't do it in winter because it's just too even if we have a headlamp headlamp on it's just too dangerous doing night like, intervals and stuff in the middle of a dark, dark park 
about seafront. Um, Get down the seafront. That's well lit, right? Well, the sea only a bit of it. So you've only <laughs> really got like three k. So you got to go back and forth on that. But problem with the seafront is, and you found this at the weekend, yeah, is that wind, it is yeah. really, really windy most of the time. So it's really hard to do. You know, when you've got to do like a tempo run at marathon pace. Yeah, when yeah, you got, yeah. When you're you half got, with the wind, half again. Yeah, it's pointless. You just don't know. You don't know if you're doing it. Yeah. Because obviously yeah. you can't maintain the pace. So it's really, it's really difficult to do. So I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna try and do it more about long runs and some shorter interval sessions as opposed to, I mean, I was doing like hour and 45 minute, you know. Could try the treadmill. Thing. A lot of people use a little treadmill action. Not I a find chance. It, I, yeah. Not a chance. I can't handle that. I can handle 30 minutes on the treadmill max, and I've not done that for about four years. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. I get too sweaty, just dripping everywhere. It's horrible. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I, know, I might do Amsterdam next year. Obviously, Rotterdam. You see Rotterdam sold out at the back of um, Kipton. Just um, oh, really? yeah, that'll be the sub two marathon probably. You'll probably mm-hmm. do a marathon the week before, get in shape, go all out, and then go do sub two. Yeah, you know, that's, that's done thing this year, do yeah. all marathons. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, well, we're just working out. I'm going to do Valencia next. Year. It's going to, I'm going to do a lad marathon to Valencia next year. Nice. We well, we worked out the half term uh, a, a compatible marathon is Amsterdam, so I might be doing right. that because you've not done that one yet, have you? No, never done it, but it's you know it's on the train there. I can go with the family without taking out at school. But yeah, it might work. It might work. Don't know. Yeah. See how London goes. Really, I've never actually really nailed London because I find mm. it quite a hard race to pace. So I'd like to do that. Okay, well, uh, let's uh, briefly dive into testing at the moment. Uh, what have we all been testing that is interesting? Well, it's the big watches at the moment, isn't it? It's the big catch-up watches from Sunto and Polar who've really tried to stick it to Garmin, basically kind of come back at them with the Sunto Race, AMOLED screen, long battery life, great price, uh, great materials, and then the Polar Vantage V3. Not not a good price, uh, but uh, a really nice AMOLED screen, a nice lightweight design, maps, you know, multi-band GPS. They Both of them have got pretty accurate GPS, uh, especially compared to what we've seen in the past from Polar. Both really good watches. I've enjoyed using them. I have had my problems with them. The uh, one Polar's gone back, not to Finland, because that's going to cost me 70 quid. I've had to send it back in, in the, within the UK uh, because the screen broke. And then the Sunto has, last week, ended two activities just of its own accord, including the Brighton 10K, where it just decided at 5K, <laughs> that'll be that. I went back to it. It's like, those are little annoyances. Yeah. And otherwise, I think brilliant watches. You've got them both as well, Kieran, right? I think they're really good, but those yeah. are quite big annoyances. Yeah, and I think you're not alone in the Polar. There's quite, if you go online, there's quite a lot of people in forums saying they've had troubles with watches just basically freezing, uh, not updating. My Polar has had real struggles staying connected to the phone and syncing the data. Hmm. So the fact that you have to kind of force sync it anyway, but it, often it's just forgetting that it's been connected to my phone, having to go back and do the, the, the pairing all over again, all of that kind of stuff. But yeah. beyond that, actually, and I think they're a little slow in terms of the response sometimes, but overall I've quite enjoyed them. They, yeah, I think the Suunto uh, mic's got a really, I think they're a bit variable. I think mic's got a really laggy one. Mine's very laggy on the always on, like it takes yeah. a second. But other than that, it's very, it doesn't lag usually. It's not, yeah. you know, it's not as quick as an Apple Watch, but it's not really worse than the Garmin's yeah. too much. But um, yeah. I do, th- yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> I don't know, it's one of those things where, you know, they, they're introducing all these features and they've got them all pretty much right, but Garmin's had these features for a year and a half and they've just honed them and honed them and everything works. And But it's really positive signs, I think, all around, apart from I do think that the Polar's pricing is 
it's just you know if you, it's like it's like in the same way i find it weird when a brand who doesn't make um carbon super shoes comes in and makes a shoe that's more expensive than the vaporfly it's like okay well why would people buy it uh it's like mm-hmm. when it, if you, so they come in and they price it the same as the 4265 which uh you know is such a good watch and well established it's just and has more features it's just like, oh, it's really hard to um mm-hmm. to see people going for it but i do think they're great watches apart from the little issues that need to be ironed out this this second polar i've had has had no problems so far the first one the screen just completely went like it you could see it flickering then it just went and now it won't turn on and i've still got to send it back actually but i do think positive signs overall in a watch market that's got a bit overly dominated um mm-hmm. by garmin which is great for garmin and they're making great watches great for people who buy them but it does mean they could have the prices have got a bit crazy at the top end so it's good to soon to have come in very cheap i think very cheap for the watch <laughs> it's a smart move by them to come in and Basically, they can sort of draw some people back just by getting people talking about the value, essentially. It's a little bit, for me, it's a little bit like what Coros did with some of the cheaper yeah. end watches. They actually used it as a hook, really. And Although it's a, it's a massive, uh, it seems like a massive uh, like uh, insult to people who bought the Sunto Vertical, which is not a very cheap watch, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is very similar to the race, but hasn't got um, those screen. And is, I mean, it's got to be massively reduced in the Black Friday sales, I noticed. But um, yeah, it's quite surprising they didn't go with that pricing strategy on that watch. All right, then, uh, any shoes that we've got floating about? Kieran's in the Nova Blast 4. The, oh, that's the, a big one. The, the, yeah. green, the Green Menace. Yeah, had that. Yeah, that came in a couple of days ago. So actually yesterday took it out and did did first run yesterday evening, did a sort of 10K sort of mixed pace in that. And I'm, of all the people really out of all of us to get it first, probably I, I'm the person who sort of has liked the Nova Blast least, I think, over the generations I wasn't convinced I was going to like it, but I think they've, I actually think on my first impressions, they've improved it. I think they've done, to me, it's a little bit more responsive. It's a little bit firmer. They've taken away a bit of the, what I call like the sinky softness of it. It doesn't, you know, I think some of the Nova Blast, they didn't, you were sort of waiting for them to come back. Um, every time you sort of landed, this just picks up a little bit quicker. There's a little bit more immediacy in it. And overall, I, I, there I say, I actually enjoyed it. I don't know though, whether I'm just, you know, back in the day when we t- tested the early Nova Blasts, whether I always ran in shoes that were a bit more, not, not minimal is the wrong word, but less shoe. And now all shoes are going towards big. So maybe I'm just being converted. But last night, I actually really quite enjoyed the Nova Blast 4. And I think it's mm. it'd be interesting. I, I'm going to looking forward to putting it up head to head to all the other ones that we've seen, you know, the Cloud Eclipse, the, the Nimbus, the the 1080s. I I think they might run them quite close. But. I think we took a fair bit of stick for none of us really like the Nova Blast 3 that much. I had a great first run in the Nova Blast. I will say this. I had a great first run in the Nova Blast 3, Kieran, and I didn't like it after that. So uh, um, <laughs> but, yeah. I never liked it. No. So I think overall, we as a channel, I think have been quite soft on Nova Blast, uh, quite down, apart from the very first edition, which Tom loves so much, um, which mm. I didn't love so much. But Cloud Eclipse is quite interesting. I'm enjoying that. I, I don't know if I'm crazy. It feels firmer than the Cloud Surfer, despite being twice the height of the same foam but i don't mind it's got the speed but speed was right at the bottom that can't be making it it must be a different tuning to the foam because i first out of the box i used it for like a fast session and i've been using it since and i and i like i've been liking it but and I, one reason i do like it is because it is a bit firmer um but it just seems weird that it's that high and doesn't feel very soft like the cloud surfer does at half mm. well not half the height but considerably less height yeah mm. i've enjoyed it as well i think actually it's if they're aiming for that sweet spot between the surfer and the monster, I think they've kind of ticked it. And it's, um, yeah, I, so so far what I've done in it, I've I've enjoyed it. Yeah, it feels probably more like a rocket monster to me than a 
the phone yeah the phone doesn't feel like the surfer to me and not in a bad way like i'm not i like i've liked it like i say but it feels like a very much a rockered firmer shoe which is kind of the shoes i'm liking the most at the moment but um, it's a higher stack height than the cloud surfer yeah it? it's massive stack height but it does i think because it's such a high stack i guess they couldn't make it as soft because it would just kind of collapse in it be ridiculous if it yeah. was the same as the cloud <laughs> surfer. yeah it is um it is a good shoe i feel like um one's had a good year i mean the cloud mecca is really good apart from the fact it falls apart but um it didn't fall apart big crash and then i just think they're missing that they're missing that killer middle ground all-rounder shoe like kind of the super trainer mm. style which you know things like the cloud flow are just all kind of a bit I think a bit samey, and then they've got very good cushioned shoes, um, which yeah. are good, good daily trainers. But I think they're missing the their endorphin speed still, which is a hard shoe to make. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anything coming up that we're excited about, which we're hopefully going to test soon? Well, we don't know anything about it, but Alphafly Three should be coming up soon. That, that, that will be exciting. <laughs> that will be that exciting. Will. And the New Balance, obviously, the uh, SC uh, Supercomp Elite Four yeah, is that's... dotted around. In Britain, I've cited it in Britain, but we don't have it. I don't think. Looking like it's going to be a bit softer than the uh, the threes. It looks like it's got. They've got very aggressive geometry as well. It looks looks a lot like mm. the Adios Pro Three, if we're if we're being honest. Yes. But, um, the foam will be it's Piba foam by all accounts. So mm. be interesting because New Balance does love to just yeah, it's fuel cell. It's completely different material, everything. Yeah, we'll just call it fuel cell. It's, just, just, it's just midsole, isn't it? It's midsole. It's midsole, yeah. yeah, fuel, yeah. I mean, it's a racing midsole. That's all you need to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. Okay. Well, I've just bought some Alpha Flies, Wardens. In the sale. After, yeah, our, yeah. after our discussion on... Uh, yeah, we Brighton's brought them out, okay. didn't we, for Brighton? Really good shoe. I got my, my mates bought them as well. I was I was a bit tempted, but it's just silly, isn't it, for me to buy carbon Well, shoes, you just... So. You, you got you started getting me worried because my, my, my Alpha Flies, I've just done tracking them. and they've st- After the Brighton Tech A, they're just squeaking loads and they've sort of given up halfway. So I can sort of bend them... Oh, right. Too far. If you snap so, the plate or something. <laughs> well, I don't know what's going on with them, but they. Um, but when we had that chat, I, I was thinking, oh, I can't. These are, these are gone now, so I'm going to have to get another pairing because we don't know what the Alphafly Three is going to be like, and uh, probably be decent. Easy it's going let's to be, be honest. I, I don't know. I I really like the Alpha One. I think there's a lot of like a lot of rose tinted stuff at the time. Like people didn't like the Alphafly. Oh, it's nowhere near as good as the Vaporfly. Now now yeah. the Alphafly Two. Oh, Alphafly is best you ever made. Now if only we could get hold of them, it'll be the same. Well, everyone, just, everyone just likes looking back. Well, not the Alphafly 2, though, are they? Not many people are saying that's the... Um, that's what I mean. People, But then, you know, still, still set a world record. I think people will... Pro- maybe that'll be the shoe, like, in two years' time. People are desperately trying to find an old Nike sales because it's oh, no longer the current to, one. I need to get that one as well. Fingers <laughs> crossed for uh, some I think sales when... People like looking back it. at shoes that they set all their PBs in, obviously. But I know a lot of people who still think the original Vaporfly 4%, definitely the best one. And it's like, yeah, I love that shoe, but that, I, don't, I don't think it is as good as anyone's. <laughs> no. No, no, very yeah. tinted glasses. Cool. All right. Well, uh, why don't we dive in and talk super trail shoes? Mm. Okay, guys. So we are talking super trail shoes, a type of shoe that's come about over the past couple of years, uh, which, to be honest, I'm not 100% sure on the classification <laughs> of it, but hopefully we'll be able to shed some light on it here. Let's just kick off. Nick, you, you seem to be the man who talks about these more than anyone else. What is a super trail shoe? <laughs> well, I was tested, tested a lot of them this year. So you I'm just talking. like putting super in front of loads of different words, don't Super's you? a good word. It's a good word. Uh, I mean, it, it's the same way, like, you know, super trainers... So super shoes, yeah, everyone knows those are now, like the Vaporfly, all that, carbon plate shoes, soft bouncy midsole foams for the road, super trainers, use a bit of that in training shoes, super trail shoes, use some of that tech for the trail. So we're talking carbon plates, 
midsole foams that are bouncy, high stack, unusually soft for trail shoes. And they basically they get trailified, these things. So the carbon plate might be forked. It might be a bit more flexible. It might be dual plates like in the Hoka's. And the midsole foam will be bouncy, but it will be contained because you don't be bouncing all over the place on uneven ground and you're coming down a mountain. So it's basically elements of that become very popular in road shoes that have been adapted for trail racing shoes which also means they can then stick a massive price tag on them equivalent to the road shoes which again is unusual for trail shoes which i don't know as far as i could ever tell they're always reasonably uh cheap compared to the top road shoes okay so with super road shoes it's pretty obvious why they came about and what what well originally it was quite obvious why they came about and and what they what they're aiming to do what are super trail shoes? What is the focus for them? Is it the same as as road shoes? Are they just for racing and running fast, or is there other benefit? Or is is there another focus for them? Kieran, do you want to hit that one? Yeah, I mean, for, for me, it's the, the the benefits are largely kind of the same. You're looking for it's a similar promise. You want shoes that are going to help you run longer, faster, more efficiently, saving energy. That's essentially the promise. It's essentially the same as the road shoes, but you're doing it on the trails. And I guess. What they're doing with some of the carbon plates in the in the trail shoes, they might be looking at different ways to provide sort of that that spring effect, but also looking at making them soft and pliable. So they'll move in two planes of motion, basically. So you get that kind of stiffness going from kind of heel to toe, but there's also more flex when you want to move side to side, so you're not losing the ground feel that comes with them. But overall, they're just they're designed to help you run with efficiency over the, the, the terrain, same as a road. Okay, and do they work? Do they have those <laughs> benefits when, when you're using them? Ah, now, this is a trickier one because <laughs> the road shoes very much so. And I think the trail shoes do, but in certain circumstances, like we are you know, UK-based runners. And most of my racing is done on soft ground and I struggle to really see the benefit of them there compared to when I have done longer runs on harder ground, then you do start to get that feeling a bit. It's certainly don't get the same sink in bounce wow factor you get with a road super shoe which is obviously has no real concerns about stability it's all about just sink into this bounce off this off you go fast as you can because you're running on flat tarmac i think the concessions you make with trail shoes to make them safe and useful on uneven ground mean that you lose a lot of that uh, impressive benefit but they must be doing something right and then certain terrains i think certainly think they do something but I think I, it's less obvious to me. Anyway, I don't know what you guys think. It's less obvious when I'm using them that I'm in a super shoe. I think, I mean, we'll talk about the different ones that are out there at the moment, which ones we think are good. But I have, I think that they're, I've tested quite a few of the carbon plate trail shoes now. And what I, what I notice about them is that with road shoes, well, road shoes nowadays that are, have carbon plates in, they sort of have different purposes. And I remember when the first, was it the Flight Vective uh, yeah. that came out? <clears throat> that was like the first uh, attempt, or oh, it wasn't the first one because we said it was the first. One. A lot of people said it was the first one, but there was another one for it. I can't remember what it was, <laughs> but that was really all about speed on the trails. But since then, I, I find that a lot of trail shoe or brands that are making trail shoes tend to say different things about what the purposes of them. Sometimes people are talking about the carbon plate actually being more of a protective thing and a stability thing when you're on the trails. Some of them talk about it being a speed thing. Um, it's quite difficult to work out why. I, I think I think there's a tendency for a lot of companies just to put a carbon plate in trail yeah. shoes, just because it's obviously people think it's going road, it's really good on road. Might as well have one for the trails. But it's very unclear to people. I imagine not a lot of people know why they're getting the carbon plate in there, and they're probably not using it in a 
for the purpose that is it's designed to do. So yeah, I mean, I I think that some in some cases the carbon plate can be used to add stability. It can that is part of the properties depending on how they're tuned. And I the weirdest thing I think with this on the trail is it's almost like with the road you kind of want to feel it. You want to know that it's sort of pushing you forward in that kind of straight plane of motion. On the trails, it's almost like the best. I think the best plated shoes are going to be those that almost feel a bit more natural. You don't necessarily notice it as much you don't want it to be that really kind of pronounced feeling and I, yeah so one of the ones that i think it probably isn't at the top of the kind of glamour list of all of this but one that almost feels very subtle is the tecton x2 which i think does add something over the speed goat it's not a huge difference but it does add extra but in a way that to me kind of feels sort of comfortable and natural without it being overdone if you look at some of the shoes where they've you know the vectors i think are an interesting one where it maybe feels a little bit more aggressive and in different terrains, a lot of people have, you know, picked up the fact that the plate feels a little bit interruptive. It causes problems when you're going uphill. You can feel it coming through. It's uncomfortable. All of those kind of things. So for me, it's going to be a bit of a weird one because you almost don't want to know that it's there on the trails. You, you yeah. have to be able to feel like everything's still moving. Um, yeah. I feel like almost the, the best that, ones, that, like yeah. you say, disappear on certain trails, but then come back when you hit like a runnable stretch almost. Yeah. It's like... Yeah, yeah, it's not in the way when you are on those tricky bits and you're worried about instability, but then you hit a nice flat stretch and you go, well, actually, now I do get this bounce or whatever it is, really. I was just going to say, I think it's, I think the difference as well for, tra- for the trail shoe manufacturers, is, it's it's probably a much harder remit to try and pull this yeah. off. There's so many different parts to consider to actually get it right. Mm. Particularly, I think it's going to be a tough crowd to please as well, but to get it right, I think it's quite a difficult piece of design that's, that's needed here. Yeah, almost yeah. some of the ones that have been most successful have targeted almost specific races and know the exact terrain they can work on. But to try and make a generalist trail shoe is so hard. And the foams, I think, is the big problem because the foams are actually probably the, one of the, the biggest factor in the road shoes. And you simply you can't put a really soft foam like mm-hmm. you know some of the softest ones on the road on the trails. But then I think maybe... You, People are starting to think you maybe just can, to judge by some of the recent ones. But yeah, that maybe we'll talk about it in a minute. But I feel at some point we're just going to end up with very similar to the road shoes and just like take your risks and hope for the best. <laughs> yes. Which, which another, it's that's also interesting because there's been times when I've been testing these and you know, they're not necessarily described as road to trail shoes, but I think a lot of these shoes do fit that bill. And you you can be running a long tarmac and compare it to a shoe you've a road shoe you've been testing recently you're thinking actually this trail shoe is better than <laughs> it's better than the yeah. road shoe i've been testing yeah, yeah. my, my friend did sections. the um brighton tank a in the tarkitecton x <laughs> and she loved it thought it was absolutely fantastic and that's sort of where it, i suppose the tecton, tecton x and tecton x2 are a good example of a, a shoe that really does tick a lot of boxes across different trails but i yeah. wouldn't ever use a tecton x for you know really technical terrain or anything like that but it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because I think a lot of these shoes are very much focused on those long, dry, you know, sort of American uh, mountain type dry, dry valleys and stuff like that, where you're really getting an experience that's like the road and you're not too worried about mud and, and, and stuff like that. What I, what I found with a lot of them is that you know, I've run across the downs, it's wet, it's muddy, it's boggy, and they just have no benefit whatsoever when you when you're doing that and it's that they're not bad they're not actually like causing a problem they just don't offer any benefit and when you're thinking about how much they cost and 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 you think well i could could have done this same run in a you know pair of 60 pound shoes it's it's a bit pointless having the the, the in for most people or a lot of people 
it's a tricky one in the UK. Like I did my I did an ultra in Epping Forest last time when I was here. I had used the Adas and Nike Super Trail shoes during that and really loved them both. But the terrain was pretty friendly summer in the forest and you know, a guy was running in vaporflies. So <laughs> you know, so that's kind of it. But I also think how benefits they are and ter- when you talk about things like technical terrain, a lot of that depends on the runner and their level of experience. When I when I was in Chamonix for the Adidas launch, I was doing little descents. So like, you know, it's not something I do a lot of. I'm not a very good ascender. I am scared of heights. So those shoes are probably not gonna be the one I would use there. But you see all the pros just gliding down them and there's a photo of uh, is it Petter Engel, uh, Engel um, his foot essentially at right angles to the floor because the shoe is turning so much, it's so soft, and just carried on running and was fine. So I guess maybe if you really know what you're doing, it's, you can use them on those on any kind of terrain. But I don't know, as a, as a novice for that kind of thing, I would steer clear of them on really, really tricky stuff. Okay, so um, if we were if push came to shove and somebody asked us, what makes a good tr- super trail shoe? What's what? What do you think would you you would say are the the good things that you would say you'd need in a good super trail shoe? I mean, for me, it's like all the good things that in a regular trail shoe you're looking for. You know, they, it all still applies. You want control, stability, protection. You want the ability to be precise and feel the ground underfoot. All of that stuff. I think it's still very much here. And then I think when you want to let go and you want to be able to, you hit a runnable section. This is where you you want to feel a little bit a little bit of that kind of extra efficiency but you i you know you you need to have all of those first those sort of former things before the latter because those are the most important things when you're moving over the trails for me so they basically have to do more than a super road shoe because a super road shoe the purpose unless you're talking about these sort of daily super shoes the main purpose for most super road shoes is is speed yeah right and efficiency they sacrifice stability and i think the other big thing that super trail shoes have which is much harder is the range of distances like um mm. you know the, some of them have got to, they've got to be comfortable because you're going to be in them for 24 hours something like that you know whereas road shoes are geared up towards the marathon and those will also mm. be useful for road ultra marathons but yeah you know there's there's that consider as well and then that makes it really hard to make a trail shoe that is brilliant for that ultra marathon purpose that I would use as someone who mostly does short distance trail races where the weight just isn't good. I want, if I'm using a trail racing shoe, probably weight is the biggest factor I think for me on the trails. And these tend to be a bit geared more towards longer stuff. So they're a bit heavier actually than the shoes I race in on the trails. Okay, well, let's dive into the actual super trail shoes out there what what would what would you guys say are the super trail shoes that exist at the moment which are the good ones the ones that we rate and we think they're worth getting are there any yeah i think i mean we, we all quite like the tecton x2 right i don't think it's a wow shoe i actually would say i'd probably get the tecton x for less i don't think there's been yeah. a much of an upgrade from what i saw but that's no, a pretty solid all-round shoe but I'd say there are two that stand out for me this year I've tested. And one is the Asics Fuji Speed 2, which mm-hmm. didn't go after, I think, the profile of a road super shoe. It went more after the profile of a road, of a like a daily trainer super shoe. You know what we talk, what do we call them? Super trainers. It feels a lot like things like the Endorphin Speed and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The foams. I, I um, didn't realize it had a plate. Exactly, yeah. It's got a plate and it's the second version of the Fuji Speed has a carbon plate. I think it originally had a nylon plate, maybe the first version. And it's got a really nice rocker. It's got a fairly fun, fun good outsole. You know, re you know, wouldn't I wouldn't use it potentially now in the forest, but could use it throughout autumn, even when it was quite muddy, and it's a lot cheaper than that's the thing. It gets priced like a super trail, so it's one hundred and sixty dollars instead of one hundred sixty quid, sorry, instead of two hundred fifty. And the one that I do think comes the closest to feeling like a road super shoe uh, I've tested is the Adidas Terex Agrivic Speed Ultra, which is still in prototype form, although I think it is more or less what they're going to release next year. And the reason it feels like a road super shoe is they've made 
the fewest concessions to the trails in that they've got a huge stack of light strike pro foam got the energy rods in there that are plastic so a little bit more pliable and a really aggressive rocker and you know it doesn't look a lot like a trail shoe it's got you know it's got a decent continental rubber outsole but they've just gone you know you can you can run on this on the trails like whereas lots of other brands even nike like wrapped the zoom x foam and made it a lot heavier and more stable than their road racing shoes adas kind of just went this is a you know, this is like our road shoes for the trails and it does have a really bouncy booming feeling at times but at the same time the rocker's crazy there's a very narrow pinch point on it that like it's, it looks so like worrying like um but same time people are running you know utmb in these shoes and everything and they're they're fine but yeah that probably what comes back to that level of experience karen yeah i mean i've I only recently got the fuji speed 2 i've only done one run in them but i would think i quite like the fact that they're, they're pretty precise they're they're nice and nimble and I think they've got like a yeah fa- faster, nimble ride, which I I like. I think for me, when I'm looking at these shoes, most of the times when I'm running on the trails, I'm not really looking for. I think it's another really important thing about the carbon shoes. It's like if you think about road shoes, everyone's looking for that little marginal gain to get to a PB hit certain times. I, I'm never really running that way on the trail. I'm always basically I need a shoe that's going to help me sort of be able to go for longer hours, um, sort of ultras. And I'm not going to be running fast. I'm going to be running fairly slow. And for me, the best shoe that I found out of that is, is the Tecton X or the Tecton X2. It's just a nice, easy rolling shoe that does make a difference, although it still feels quite natural. The Vective Pro, I was one of the only people who didn't, or I don't know, I was one of the people who didn't have any uh, sort of problems with the plate coming up through. And when I did, I did some sort of really technical coastal runs, or really technical, it's technical for, for me anyway, really quite steep and, you know, cut up and rocky um, coastal path runs down in North Devon, um, technical enough. And I, I found them to be really good for that, actually. I, I really enjoyed the ride in them. So those are another that I enjoyed. I know a lot of people didn't, but I also think that the Vective Sky, you've got a slightly lower stack, maybe gives you a bit more control, the, that people have found maybe a little bit more accessible than the Vective Pro. Um, not so many problems with the plate. And yeah, I haven't run in the Addies that Nike talked about, uh, that, that Nick that Nike talked about. I'm calling you Nike now. That Nick talked about, um, <laughs> or or in fact, the reason I'm saying that is all, all the the Nike ones that a lot of people have had. But Nike ones are great. We're talking about we talk about uh, you know they're just good cushion shoes for the road. I do think the Nike Ultrafly is the best cushion shoe in Nike's range for any terrain. <laughs> um, obviously, you're not buying it for that price to go and poodle move poodle around, and you're going to buy the Invincible or whatever instead. But yeah, that's a shoe that is such a clearly different approach to the to what nike do with their road shoes it's a heavier shoe a much more stable shoe a really friendly shoe did my first ever ultra distance runs and it's really comfortable loved it uh i found it you know reasonably gripped pretty well on i was in the gal running in it on some fairly slick like coastal things but nothing crazy again like nothing mountainous um and just a really comfortable shoe but yeah it's a shoe so geared towards ultras that you know it is, and even then you know it doesn't feel fast it doesn't is, is this a big difference to just uh, a comfortable cushion shoe for the normal trail running shoe and so that's mm. that's the problem with it really like, i think there's some really good shoes out there but i don't know i would the only time i use a really fast trail shoe would be when i want to do workouts on the trails instead of on the road uh, in which case something like the fuji speed is great for it as a good workout shoe and then when i'm racing on the trails it's nearly always pretty muddy so they yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think i think with these carbon plate trail shoes with, with most trail shoes we tend to review them in a way that you know it's clear what they're they're good at and what they're not good at but it's really hard to market a, a trail super trail shoe what, obviously if you're trying to market a you know carbon plate race shoe you just say it's fast and efficient and great turnover and all those sorts of things with a trail shoe if you're saying it's just a great trail shoe it's 
you really need to be specific about what what it's used for, don't you? Yeah. It's because uh, the the North Face ones are a good example because uh, the Vective Pro I quite like for basically slightly hard ground. Uh, I think I think it delivers. I think it's quite nice. I think it's a nice a nice ride on almost road conditions. The Sky uh, is better on the trails for me, but I don't see any difference between the Sky and a non calm plate shoe. That's that's where the issue comes in for me. It's like I'd, I'd have, rather have the Speedgoat or something like that because I don't need that plate in it. I don't think it serves me any purpose on it. And obviously it makes it quite a bit more expensive. If you look at something like the Saucony Endorphin Edge, when that came out, that was £200, I think, when that came out. Mm-hmm. And I remember taking it out of the downs and thinking, I don't notice any difference at all with this and some of the other trilogies I've got that are like £120. So which actually is on to my next question. Are they... <laughs> Are they worth the money? Yeah, I, 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 this is. I think this is so. This is the uh, every every question about are they worth the money is very personal. But this is so much personal. You've got to be right in the right. You've got to find the shoe for the right trails you're riding, the right distances, and all that. And yeah. the only one that will be worth it for me probably will be the Fuji Speed as a really good a workout shoe in the forest. You know, and if I was doing longer races, if I was going to go and do some of like the Maverick races around the UK uh, in the in the warmer months, I think that'd be a really good shoe for that for me. And but yeah. even then, it's a push like. So not for me, but that's, you know, that that's the personal thing. If you are doing these Western state style terrain races, then I think there's probably quite a lot to them that would well, make potentially start looking at that price tag. But yeah. Yeah, I suppose it, if yeah. you look at the spectrum of users across uh, road shoes, obviously you, if suit carbon super shoes are actually more, a lot more applicable to more people. Obviously yeah. there are people who do marathons who wear, you know, uh, Adidas Ultra Boost 22 and stuff like that, that, that you know, they're, they're not bothered about running the marginal gains but there are a lot more people that are worried about marginal gains like kieran was saying but when you go to trails that shifts quite a lot whereas people really focus more on comfort as opposed to sort of those marginal gains that you're getting and also and also there's like durability issues and stuff like that as well you want a trail shoe that's going to be comfy last you a long time and just make you know support you when you're out on the run um so yeah there's a there's a they're a very niche thing to market i think it's probably quite difficult to sell a calm plate yeah, people. Kieran, you've done you know a lot of ultras around the world. Is there any like Dolomites? Say, for example, you when you're doing your Dolomites run, the really long one, uh, you, you're going. I really want to make sure I have a carbon shoe on for that. Or you, what are you thinking about, really? I, I wouldn't really, to be honest. I, I'm almost like the opposite. I I think that for that, I just you you know for, for me, obviously, I'm not ra- I'm not I'm, I'm running it. I'm not racing it. It's going to take me 27 hours. The winners <laughs> will finish it in 14. I just need a shoe that's basically going to help. You know support my feet in comfort and help me pick my way along the trails i'm, I'm not thinking about seconds and, and minutes i'm mm. just thinking about moving in consistent comfort and yeah. if you can get some efficiency excellent can they hope with, cope with all the lumps and bumps so for me all of these carbon shoes in a way the way that i've used them and it, it makes me think of you know it's hard sun-baked kind of north down south downs where you're not getting anything particularly crazy and steep most of it's kind of runnable if you're a good runner and you're you're pushing on kind of hard, quite compacted ground. That's where I think they would sort of come into their own. But I, I think it's a really quite hard sell for most people because it's a, just such a different vibe. I mean, <laughs> you know, most people don't. Last time you did a sort of trail race, people don't go, "Well, how? What's your ten? What's your trail race ten k PB or whatever?" It's just like, did mm. you finish that? You know, that hundred and sixty k ultra that you did? Yes, yeah. great, brilliant. And it, it, you're not you're not looking to shave it off. So I, 
and whether the you know people when you get to the road shoes people can kind of go well you know i took five minutes off my marathon pb and it was down to these shoes it probably isn't they probably just you know slept better for six weeks or whatever but you know it might be down to some of the shoes but you know what i'm saying it's like when the trails there's just not that measure and i think it's quite a hard sell to for people to say okay mm. did it did it improve me is it is it the marginal gains yeah, and and if you look, if you look at the, that one thing is comfort, but yeah, and if you look at the percentages of people racing trail runs and the people, you know, racing road races, you have got park run, all those sorts of things. It's such a very small percentage in comparison to the road side of things. So it is a it is a much trickier sell, and there's probably is an argument for 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 there are some people that they really they work really well for but it's a very minuscule percentage compared to to, to the wider group of people that are using them for, for yeah you've races. got to really know what you're doing the trails you're, i think like you buy a road super shoe any marathon in the world designed for speed on the road is going to be yeah. that shoe will work for it whereas yeah you know the trail one you've got to pick and choose your battles and and like i say yeah i think it's one of those things where you know most times i felt really enjoyed using those shoes and i've been testing them could i have been in a road shoe with a decent outsole probably so it's uh, in my terrain doesn't work so well, but you know obviously they've had rock plates forever. So maybe they're doing the job of rock plates and adding, and adding some protection on those really hard, rocky trails that we don't really get where we are. I think that's probably a, maybe a different matter. Well, uh, I think that sums it up quite nicely. Uh, if you're <laughs> watching this or listening to the podcast version of it, let us know what your thoughts are on Super Trail Shoes. You're probably probably going to get a lot of comments on this of people saying they're amazing. We're completely wrong. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not doing podcasts immediately. But cool. Okay. Well, uh, we're, I'm sure we'll be covering a few more Super Trail Shoes coming up in the coming months. Hmm. All right. Cheers, guys. Cheers. That's it from us this month. Thanks a lot for listening. Don't forget to give us a follow on the podcast provider of your choice and head over to YouTube to check out all the reviews and videos we've got coming up over the next few weeks. Thanks a lot for listening. Catch you next time. This video was presented by Tom Wheatley, Nick Harris-Fry and Kieran Alger. It was produced by Tom Wheatley. The music was by Fear of Tigers. Fear of Tigers.